Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. So then, as we said about... You've ended up, you're now a Port player. As we said, you should have been a Woodville player. Woodville should have had you and Greg Anderson. What a stuff up. We did speak briefly about that yesterday. Yep. Um, so your first you know, league, league thing, and then you'd had, uh, let's say, probably a learning experience through through Russell, and you admit yourself that you made a mistake there. And then let's just say John Cale and your the influence of John Cale on you and John Cale's ability to just to sell that you're invincible to, to you guys. And for me, I actually appreciate that more now because Nord, for mine, finally won a premiership last year when they were nowhere near the best side. And I reckon John Cale got 11 out of 10 out of the port side for all those years, effectively. Yeah, I think you're right, Malcolm. In regards to Jack's influence, he just had an ability to make each and every one of us that needed to, you know, play well. I, I thought he got not the best out of us. He got better out of us. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that was the thing. You, you, you might've had a limit on yourself, but Jack had no limits and he loved talking about no limits, whether that be on the team, whether it be on the season, whether it be on you as an individual, he just always used to speak about why limit yourself? Why put a cap on it? And I used to love that language. And I used to think, mm. oh, he's right. And, you know, and he never feared things. And, uh, you know, I've heard other people say, oh, oh you've got to be careful of this or this might happen. Or He never ever tempted the bad fate, if you like. He always tempted the opportunity, the, 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 the chance to be the best. And he always made sure that you were heading in that direction. So that's what I think I loved about him because it gave all of us that much confidence. And I saw him talk to players on a, on a Thursday night when, you know, they felt like they should have been in selection and they might go and front him and, you know, we're yep, sitting yep. In, in the showers or the bath or whatever. And I saw him handle it. And I thought to myself, you know, you hear a lot of people when coaches say, you know, you just got to be honest. You got to be truthful and all the rest of it. I saw Jack probably at times make, and I've, I've seen coaches talk to players and tell them the truth. Yep. And they walk away with that head down. I see Jack say things like, can't, can't believe how close you are. 
I can't believe how close you, what you're doing at the moment and how you're doing this or is you know another one like that and I reckon you're in and they'd walk away and I could tell they're sort of half thinking you know, oh, is it the truth or isn't it but they're going yeah. I think I'm a chance <laughs> if you think you're a chance you're going to play well and we had some depth uh, and it's not easy you, you know probably through history to win yeah the reserves and the league grand final, but you want them up there uh, as close as that can be. Yep. And we we had in our, in our run of premierships, we had uh, two occasions where they the, the reserves won the flag, and we had another two where they um, ran, were runner up. So you sort of go it, it, that that method worked because everybody believed that they were an opportunist, uh, that they got this chance and. It, it happened on a couple of occasions where guys got injured or hurt or, you know, Ralph Smith had his jaw broken and things like that, and guys come into the team that weren't in there the week before, and they're playing flags. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete once again, joined by Malcolm and uh, Timmy G. Uh, we finally caught up with him for part two of his interview and uh, yeah, he let us in on a, a few more uh, exploits during his day and wasn't it great that he talked about John Cale and how he got the, the most out of his players? No, he was fantastic. It was like Dame Nellie Nelbert for finally trying to get, get a hold of him to organise that. Uh, it was a bit of fun, a bit of fun, but we finally got there and yeah, he's just honest. Great memory too, Tim. Actually, Jeff Wilson made that point, messaged me, said he loves how yep. his uh, Tim's attention to detail. So, yeah, no, he was fantastic. And obviously Port Adelaide were pretty successful during that period. And like we said, they got leather poisoning <laughs> during yeah. those uh, during those years. But, um, no, we thank Timmy again. And um, as per usual, if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, please do so uh, via your uh, listening app. Around the Grounds. All right, we're going to have a look at the cricket, uh, both men's and women's, the NRL state of origin, but we're going to kick off today with the AFL round 15 completed. Um, any surprises there? Obviously, the buy rounds are all finished now and, you know, we're, we're sort of into the home stretch. Oh, look, probably the surprise was, being honest, Adelaide getting so close. Yep. And look, on the carry-on of the Adelaide game, yes, they were unlucky and there was no doubt whatsoever they didn't get the rub of the green umpiring-wise, which they did in the game at Adelaide Oval. Yes. But it is a pet hate, and I'll go on about it till the day I die, the unprofessionalism of a multi-billion dollar industry. It is the player's job. It's not their bit of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a kick and catch, and it did look like that Rory Sloan did not know and understand the rule when you grab a player, and when you're given the yep. ball off. It is different than blocking, which I think is ridiculous, the rule. Yep. But people to say, oh, why didn't he pay it on the Malira block? Well, because that's not the ruddy rule. Yep. The law of the game. Yep. And you can, and say, oh, the umpire should have paid it. 
you can't invent what you think should happen. Like, yeah, and then the carry on with the one at the end. I was really glad with Matthew Nix in terms of on the couch where he said, "Not that wouldn't have been paid nine times out of ten. It happened that quick. Mm-hmm. That yes, I do go on and on about the umpire's positioning, and I would shoot the person involved in umpiring who's got the umpires out by the boundary line, and it's stuffed it or, or their positioning up." Mm-hmm. Umpires are privately will say it. They're not allowed to say it publicly. Yep. We thought the four umpiring that it would revert to the two umpiring thing, repositioning and rechangeover, but it hasn't. The AFL haven't got the balls to admit the four umpiring thing has been a dismal failure mm-hmm. and go back to three. Yep. Is it a is it a case of that they're still in some teething problems? I know we've talked about it previously. It looked on this occasion that there were three umpires within a reasonable viewing area of that incident. Yes, it did happen in, in real time. And I, I suppose when you look at it in real time, it it was a 50-50 ball as far as whether the free kick was there or not in real time. Yeah. When you slow it down, you go, well, yeah, definitely got yeah, it high. exactly. But the umpires don't have the benefit no. of going back and watching that. So. Look, I think out of that one that – the umpire just had to be in the perfect step in positioning. Yes. And if one or two steps out, you don't see it. Yep. And I think they all looked at each other because when Adelaide started to carry a uh, players going on at the end, we're going, well, hang on, what what are you going on about? Yes. And, uh, yeah, so out of that, look, I think there was more the, the non-paid free kick to lead earlier. Yes. That's an umpiring error. Yes. Way more than the last one. Look, both teams and get yeah. it. It is football. We yeah. understand it. Um, you know, it, it's a unique sport in the world. Yes. It's actually a stupid sport in terms of it's the only sport where, one, an umpire's got to perfect the skill called bouncing, which has got nothing to do with the game, which mm-hmm. is bloody stupid and it should just be thrown up yep. all the time. Yep. But then a reasonable amount of time to get rid of the ball. What's a reasonable amount of time? Some people might have used that as, as five hours. Some people view it as 0.01 of a second. It, it, so it's an incredibly... Unique sport to umpire. Now, my other beef And you've got is, four individuals doing it. That's yeah, the other thing. Which, which three doesn't work, let alone four. Yep. The other point is how few of them have played adult football. Now, I still maintain it's a game you must have played the nuances. to umpire. Yep. You don't have to have played at the, to- the elite level. Yep. You play against Kilburn at Kilburn, Paralleo, para, you know, all that. You, you, you know what's going on. Yep. And that's... I think that's a big part of it. There's a real lack of footy nous and fuel for the game out mm-hmm. there. And I, I listen to Ray Chamberlain being interviewed, and I shake my head in disbelief at some of the things he says. Absolutely. Uh, mate, we'll go back to yep. Thursday night, uh, looking at the uh, Geelong-Melbourne game. A little bit of a surprise from that point of view. Yeah, well, especially since you know Dangerfield wasn't playing. When mm-hmm. Cameron gets injured in the first Five to ten now, minutes. Now, I wanted to talk about yes. that. Now, obviously, we talk about concussion and yep. injuries and everything. If Gary Rowan is a Melbourne player, he gets rubbed out for yeah, two or three weeks. Isn't it funny how in this sport, and, and you did allude to it just a minute ago, about yep. how silly it is and how you're trying yep. to perfect it, is that you can get the same result from your own player and yet your own player doesn't get suspended. Yeah. It's it's just one of those weird things. It ones, is one it? of those weird things out of that, but... Yeah, people saying he should have been reporting. I don't agree with that. Yeah, no, no, I don't yeah. agree with it either. But I'm just saying it's yeah. very interesting that yeah. you know you can get the same result as what an opposition player opposition gets weeks and you don't get weeks. Anyway, but uh, Geelong uh, getting over the line by 15 points. There, we sort of thought that being down in G- GMHBA Stadium. I just thought with the Geelong outs and that, and yeah, they look, might struggle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and then Melbourne seven points up. 
at three-quarter time and seemed to have the momentum. So it's a huge win, and it may be a win which hurts Adelaide more than anyone else in the end. Absolutely. So. Uh, St Kilda uh, losing to the Brisbane Lions at uh, Marvel Stadium there? Yeah, Brisbane is a bit too good, a bit too polished. They just seem to have a lot of the ball at, at times. I, I remember watching it and, uh, you know, the the ball was just constantly being fed to that forward line. It's quite bizarre, really, that St Kilda, I still think their their list is still similar to what it's always been. Even back to their Halican day, mm-hmm. their team in 97, where the Crows won that was that the Crows' last five were way better than St Kilda's last five. And I still sort of think that's the problem yep. with St Kilda at the moment. I still think their players right at the bottom, just aren't up to it. And that really... Now, they have had a lot, they have had a had lot, lot of injuries. Oh, look, so I think they've overachieved, of, this, overachieved this year, big yep. time. Yeah, so. so does that mean that Ross Lyons got the most out of St Kilda? I think so, yep. for what they've got. I mean, yeah. they seem to be doing what Adelaide are doing, one win, one loss, one win, one loss, which is quite frustrating. But, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, but getting game time into those players that are not quite up to speed and, and, and achieving what they've been achieving. And they've is got good. the, the buy this week. They play West Coast. Oh, well, then yeah. another chance to uh, to throw uh, a few a few youngsters in there for yeah. some experience. All right, we move on to Saturday, mates. Um, we haven't seen this for a long, long, long time, but a team scoring over 200 points, Sydney defeating West Coast. Oh, look, West Coast for mine. Adam Simpson should have gone by now. They should have got mutually separated. If you're going to lose... Go down fighting, and West Coast aren't at the moment. They're not the lack of effort, the lack of work rate. The, they look like they're desperately playing for the end of the season now. Mm-hmm. They're the worst side in the competition since Fitzroy at the end, and Fitzroy had a hell of a lot more reason than what than what uh, West Coast have got. It's it's quite staggering. And look, their list has been very poorly managed. You know, you've got came out yesterday but in terms of the players. You've got. The, the word, you know, word has it. Natanui, yep. um, McGovern on a million, Gaff on 850. Their list is just so shockingly yep. balanced. And the injuries. Oh, look, I think they're going to be down. West Coast are going to be down for a fair while. Now, to think that West Coast played in the grand final five yeah. five years ago, this is, you know, you, you look at teams like uh, Brisbane, you look at Adelaide to a certain degree back in the 90s, uh, Richmond. Similar uh, to Adelaide Brisbane, 17, though. Yes, agreed. Um in that you know they have sustained success for a couple of years. Melbourne, uh, the Bulldogs have been around the mark. Yeah. Yes, they did bottom out a little bit for one season, but right back up there. Uh, for West Coast to fall away this far, and this far, it, it does. You know, I don't blame Adam Simpson for that. I blame their list management for that, which I know he's a part of. Yeah. But I do agree that. They've got their fitness wrong since the COVID. Oh, no doubt uh, about that. They've got their management of their list. They obviously bought into these players. Uh, Kelly, they threw the dice. Yes. Gave up way too much yep. for him. That's really hurt him. Yep. But at the moment, they are an absolute Paul Basket case. Below 50% as well as far as percentage go. And we haven't seen that since, like you said, the yeah. Fitzroy days, which is just staggering to think. And uh, West Coast are in a two-team town like Adelaide and Port Adelaide are, and you know when things aren't going right, it just compounds even more. And to have a two hundred point uh, or one hundred and seventy-one uh, point deficit and a two hundred point scored against you, oh. uh, yeah, a little bit hey, of a worry. So that's four of their last six games they've lost by over a hundred points. points. You know that's just ridiculous. Where does that leave them as far as priority picks? Do you think it'd be interesting? It comes over three years, so not just the one. 
Uh, so last year, they're going to be around the mark for it, yeah. And what about trade value? We talked about those players that are on million-dollar contracts. Is there a chance that maybe one or two of them might come out and they pay part of their salary to another team just to free things up? I think they will attempt to do that. But honestly, what club would want Natanui, who hasn't played a game, uh, McGovern, who's just always Injury. injured, um, so 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 stable for a lot of his career, but then in the last two two, two or three, three years, years, been very very absent. Shuey, and no, I don't well, think you're going to get anything for him. Shuey and Hearn were contemplating retiring yeah. uh, two years ago, so well, they have yeah. uh, they have gone on probably a little bit longer. Yeah. All right, we'll leave that one as yeah. it is, and we'll we'll keep watching that one. Uh, Fremantle defeating Essendon by thirty two points over in um, Perth. There probably a little bit of a surprise how much Fremantle controlled the game. You know, really from about five minutes in the second quarter, they had the game well and truly under control. Um, I'm a bit of a fan of Jai Amos. I, I, I like him. He mm-hmm. footy smarts, uh, gets to the right spot, reads it pretty well off hands as well, so he's not just the mark kick. He's a, yep. I, I reckon he's a, chance, he's a real chance to take that next step. Yeah, look. For me, Fremantle, you know, if if St Kilda are a little bit of the Jekyll and Hyde, I think Fremantle are definitely the Jekyll and Hyde yeah. after going down to GWS by 70 points the week yes. before. Uh, and But after playing three or four, maybe five good weeks in a row there, uh, all of a sudden they, well, they were somewhat back to normal. And like you said, they controlled the ball beautifully. Yeah, Always tough for Essendon travelling over to Perth, but Essendon have travelled well in the past. Yeah, and Fremantle the week before were... A- Bismal against GWS. So, yeah. yeah that Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. They're my Jekyll and Hyde for yeah, the year. Fair so. point. Fair All point. right, we move on. We did talk briefly about the Adelaide-Collingwood game yeah. as far as the umpiring go, but the game itself was fantastic. Yeah. It was very finals-like, especially in that uh, sort of third quarter, middle running through to the middle of the last quarter. It was it was on for young and old. Yeah, no, there was no doubt about that. And, you know, Taylor Walker doing the job again, um, 33 years old and arguably the the well, best forward in the game at the moment. Leading the Coleman at, yeah. at round 15. Um, yeah, the the back six for Adelaide, I thought, stood up quite well, considering we consider them as no-names as far yeah. as, you know, they, they're only less than 100 games for most of those players down there. No due day playing as well. Uh, they've really found somebody with Hinge um, and also Worrell. Yeah, Worrell and uh, Murray. Murray. Murray, for, yeah. Murray for mine is... Is a dark is a dark chance for the All Australian squad of forty. He's had a very good, consistent year. Yep. Um, but looks awkward, and you, he always worries you. You, jeez, oh, I'm not sure. But he reminds me a little bit of uh, Rutten. No, that was a little was bit more like polished that. than Butts. Okay. I've got to be fair there. No, just that just that movement and the way yeah. that he moves a little bit. I just it just gets that feeling that he's a little bit like Rutten, a little bit. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Personal opinion, yeah, mate. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we can, that's we what we're can, here for. We can agree to disagree on yep. that. Uh, but you're right. I think Murray and Butts uh, definitely are uh, the key to Adelaide's back lines uh, doing as well as they have. And then we also know about their forward line, you know, Rankin, Rochelle, and they really got going in that third quarter. And to kick seven goals pretty much all straight on Collingwood was a pretty fair effort. Yeah, they dominated that third quarter. Yeah. It was like they were playing possessed. It was. I wish the third quarter had gone for a couple of minutes longer. Yes, absolutely. They they're yeah. on fire. All right, and then we move on to the Suns v the Hawks. Yeah, sixty-seven just, points, which was 
Surprising, think, but not surprising. No, I think Sicily is just so important for them. And I do think on this one, yep. Sicily was unlucky. Yep. The game where he missed against Port. Yep. I would, lo- I would love to have grabbed him and got him against the lockers and belted shit out of him to say, you're the captain of the club. How about not being an idiot? Yes. This last one, I think he's dead set unlucky. Absolutely. And and obviously the Suns are trying to push for their first final series. They certainly put the, the foot down and they've done so well without Took Miller as well. That's the... That's the yeah. most surprising part. He seemed to be the, the key for them. He goes out injured, and all of a sudden, everyone else has stepped up and given an extra 5%, and it's paid dividends. And having seen their three p- people they'll pick up out of their academy. Uh, young Exciting w- times. Young Walt, Walter um, and that for next year. I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who bets on footy, mm-hmm. but I'm going to see what odds they are to make the eight next year. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Gold Coast, uh, again, it keeps rearing its ugly head. Uh, Stuart Jew, do you think he'll remain coach next year, considering that Damien Hardwick's come out today or a couple of days yeah. ago and sort of said, look, you know, I'm sort of missing the coaching side of it. Uh, is it a bit of a slap in the face to Richmond or did he need to actually step back to understand that he still wants to be involved? Yeah, maybe. I, I also wonder if he just decided, hey, I've got as much of it out of this one as I can. It's time. Mm-hmm. Um, we we did talk about this a couple know, of months so ago. You going wonder. wonder if there's going to be a, a sort of a, a, a trade effect, or a yeah. domino effect that maybe Hardwick comes to Port and Hinkley goes to the Gold Coast or vice versa. It it's going to be an interesting watch. That's for sure. Uh, the buyers for round fifteen, uh, the Roma, remainder of round fifteen, were Carlton, North Melbourne, Port Adelaide, the Bulldogs, Giants, and Richmond. All right, uh, we've seen the statistics out of the bye. Uh, teams coming off the bye. How's that going to affect things this week? Big game, in it? Essendon Port, yep. therefore. Absolutely. All right, we'll go through the first one. Yep. Thursday night, uh, Rich, uh, Richmond v the Brisbane Lions up at the at Gabba. Gabba, yeah. Because it's at the Gabba, I'll go for Brisbane. Um, and but, also Richmond coming off the bye. Yeah, but Richmond also have hit a bit of form. Uh, Prestia out, though, with a calf injury is a big out for Richmond, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marlon Pickett looks like he might be playing. Interesting call considering the uh, situation, situation yeah. that's going on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, whether that's just a mm. he's training well, we might pick him, but then they don't. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, we move on. Uh, Sydney v Geelong at the SCG. This one, uh, grand Big final rematch, of course. Big, Big game. game for both teams, isn't it? Huge considering game. the eight is in reach of both teams now. Cameron out. I don't think Dangerfield will play. Um, He'll declare himself fit, but I don't think the medical staff will let him play. That's where I see it falling at the moment. Um, I suspect, look, it's a toss of the coin because Sydney have had a bye last week. I think it's an atrocious preparation, Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't be surprised for Geelong to get up. But the old if in doubt and real doubt on this one, I'll go for the home side. Uh, Would have gained some form out of playing West Coast. uh, Sorry, Gains Gains confidence confidence, out of playing West Coast last week. Bit of false confidence, though. Well, and we sort of thought that with Adelaide playing uh, West Coast before the bye, uh, there was talk here, obviously, in Adelaide that, you know, hey, don't get ahead of yourself. It was only West Coast. But, you know, they really went out there and matched it. So this this could be a a scrappy affair. But, um, yeah, who knows on that one there. Sydney up in Sydney. Adelaide v North Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. You've obviously got to go for Adelaide. Hopefully they don't have a mental letdown after the big you know, thing, but they should win. I think 
you know, Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval uh, seem to grow another leg, but I don't think that their mental lapse after basically emptying the tank against Collingwood will affect them too much. I, th- I still see enough hunger there that Adelaide are going to uh, to go on with the job. And hopefully they do it with a little bit of percentage because they're going to need it if uh, things get a little bit tight around the bottom of that uh, that eight there as well. Yep. All right, we move on. The Western Bulldogs v Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. Another big game. Um, it is in the scheme of things, isn't it? Jones out for Western Bulldogs is a big out. Um, so therefore they probably haven't got their ideal matchup for Amos. But again, because it's in Melbourne... I'll go Western Bulldogs, but Fremantle did beat them last year there. So, it's yeah, it's a toss of the coin. It's the Jekyll and Hyde, like I mentioned earlier, Fremantle, which one turns up? And hopefully James H comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, He's still recovering from that uh, that hit a few weeks ago. Yeah, hopefully might find out a bit more later in the day on that one. Yep. Um, we will give the H name a mention at the end of a- our show. Absolutely, we will. Uh, the Suns v Collingwood at Heritage Bank Stadium. This is a huge game for... For the for, Suns. Big game for the Suns. Look, you've got to tip Collingwood because it's just silly not to. Yep. But I give the Suns a huge chance. Well, just looking and, and gamble responsibly, looking at the betting odds here, they're not that far apart, actually. $1.61 yeah. v two thirty-two. I mean, yeah, in punting terms, that's probably enough of a margin. But, you know, it's not like the uh, the Adelaide uh, North Melbourne where it's $1.10 v $7. So... Uh, as we said, gamble responsibly. So, you know, the the punters are sort of giving the Gold Coast a little bit of a chance, but you're right, you, you can't tip against Collingwood can't. at the moment. Uh, we move on to one of the matches of the round that uh, that I am interested in quite um, quite a lot, actually, is Essen v Port Adelaide at the MCG. Look, while you've got to tip Port, I really reckon this is the toss of the coin job. It's a huge game in the scheme of things. Um so I look at it. This is this is my my way of looking at it. You look at it from two points of view. One, the buy hasn't served anybody any good uh, the round after. Yeah. But I also look at Essendon. Now the team that generally plays in Perth the week after struggles, struggles as yeah. well. So you you're sort of in a domino effect. Absolutely. There. Yeah. So you would have to pick Port Adelaide, but yeah, you can't discount Essendon either because they can turn it on just as just as quickly as well. Yeah. It's yeah. Toss the coin. Look, I just can't go past Butters, Rosie, Horn, Francis. Yep. So, yeah, I think Port Adelaide as well on that one. All right, we move on to Sunday. Hawthorne v Carlton. Without <laughs> Sicily, I'll go Carlton. Yeah, I think you have to go Carlton as well. Again, they won the week before the bye. Did it give them some confidence? Maybe. Yeah, toss of the coin, but yeah, Carlton, you have to pick. All right, Melbourne v the Giants up in Northern Territory there. So it's neutral venue. Mm-hmm. Melbourne, considering they've lost last week, I would think they will rebound and come back. But do they take both tools? Considering they're obviously playing up in uh, the territory, there it isn't a night game; it is a day game. Two fifty. Do they stick with the Grundy Gorn combination for this week? I think they will. I think they're committed to it. So yep. yeah, it's um, the Giants have been impressive this year, considering. Yeah, and again, a bit up and down, uh, hot, hot and, and cold. miss. Yep. But yeah, look. It tossed the coin, a real tossed the coin, and a big game. Huge game. Uh, you'd think Melbourne just, but yeah. I'm still a fan of what GWS have yeah. been doing this year and mentioned it three or four weeks ago. that They have been the surprise packet. They're just their effort's fantastic, and Adam Kingsley's got them really firing. He only needs a couple of stars or a couple of uh, young academy talents to come through, and um, 
they could be up around yeah. the mark as well. So, yep. and then we finish off with the West Coast v St Kilda at Optus. Do we see them bucking the trend? No. Next point. All right, that is the round sixteen games for this week. All right, while we're still on the AFL, mate, the AFL Hall of Fame was um, commissioned last night. Uh, one of our previous guests, Michael Ash, was an inductee. Yes, and we did ring him uh, as I got to your place and congratulate him. And I, I messaged Ashley last night, and as Michael always does, always replies to everything. And it was at two fifty two a.m. He replied, so it's a it's fair effort that he, fair effort that he was up, and an awesome speech. I'm sure I'll have a chat to Pam about that at some stage. Look, just wrapped as a Nord man. I still think the Nord order it should have been Michael Taylor first mm-hmm. in terms of that's he played further back, then Ash, then Macca, and we could have put a bit more pressure on Macca. I think it'll get there eventually. It's just a oh, matter of... I think of... he's knocked it back now. I don't reckon they'll offer it again, and I don't think they should. Right. You know, I, I think you had your chance. I think it was ridiculous what he did. Absolutely. Absolutely bizarre and pig-headed and just not thinking. Going, oh, it's the AFL. No, Gary, it's the Australian Same. Football League. Completely yep. different. He should have shown respect to his own club, his own teammates, the opposition players, and the, and the sample. Move on. Might be one of the only times that we clip Macca uh, oh. for his career, but you're right. All right, and yep. um, some other inductees, Mark Williams, uh, true stalwart of the game, obviously taking Port Adelaide to their inaugural premiership. Uh, still, re- It's probably almost a little bit of a combination of one there as a player, coach, the whole dice, because he was a good player, but I don't reckon he purely as a player you'd have Mark in the Australian Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's done for football. And overall, yeah. well and truly. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, Bartell, uh, Jimmy Bartell, Sam Mitchell, Corey Enright. Um, and then Bruce McAvaney. Fantastic that Bruce McAvaney uh, makes the Hall of Fame. I mean, he was the voice of football yeah, for exactly. 30 years, 40 yeah. years, really. At the Commentator end the, the sample to start with. Yes, you know, did his started apprenticeship. Started on greyhounds and and that sort of thing yep. on the right, yeah. Look, and also Tom Lay. Now, yep, I was going to allude into that, yep. With Tom Lay, Nick Haynes and the North Adelaide guy, Nick Haynes, North Adelaide historian, massively respected. Um, North have really pushed for him for a long time. Because it's so far back, you don't really, It's not. it's not like, those of us around have seen H McIntosh. Yes. So come on, rah, that's, yep. rid- that's farcical. And it is farcical. They yep. both should have been in ages ago. Yep. So should Neville Roberts. Yep. Um, out of that with Lay, because he gets dismissed back then, but also it's, you know, his record's pretty incredible. You know, it's a McGarry medal, four best and fairest, premier, dual premiership coach at Nord. You know, he's a premiership coach at Nord as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, overdue, you, you just sort of wish that had happened Ages ago, because his granddaughter there gets uh, accepted, which yes. is great. Yes, but you wish it had been happened Him. a while back. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're right. You can't ignore those facts. That's really what it gets yeah. down to. And those facts are, you know, pretty damning when it comes to yeah. premiership coach and McGarry medals. So uh, we congratulate all the uh, inductees, and obviously they've uh, had a big night and are probably continuing a little bit on today. And and so they should. They they they've they've earned it. Well, actually, did pretty well to answer his phone and be up and about, considering uh, considering when he replied to the message. Absolutely. Uh, just having a quick look also at the um, uh, uh, 
rising star. Uh, do we still think that Sheasel's probably the the winner there so far at the moment, or Ashcroft? Yeah, I think it's line ball, and and I think Max Michaelani should be well, getting more love and, again, and respect. This is what I was going to allude to because because he's playing as a defender. People who realise, and he's had very few goals kicked on him overall. He's had a great year. Yeah, he helped Charlie Kernow to nothing yeah. uh, against Brisbane here in Adelaide. And you know, on, in the in the end, in the end, Cameron kicked for that game, but a couple of them weren't on him directly. On him, when it was the changeover yeah. and and all that. He's been he's had a great year. Um, so I think he should be getting more love. But as we know, defenders. Seemingly, at any award, don't get, don't get it. Agreed. And Ashcroft, Ashcroft being around the ball and being dominant there for Brisbane and slotting into their uh, their their system uh, is always going to be under the nose. And you know, look, uh, you know, you look at Dacos um, and you look at Ashcroft and you go, wow, uh, two stars of the future that are going to be there for the game for the next 10, 12 years. No doubt about that. All right, we move on to the SNFL, mate. We had two games to complete round ten. Uh, the Tigers defeating West Adelaide. Yeah, did what they had to do. Uh, it's probably the best way to describe that. Just continue on their merry way at the moment. Absolutely. And Adelaide defeating South Adelaide in the final game of round 10. Uh, Adelaide are flying at the moment and uh, South Adelaide weren't able to contain them. Yeah, the game was over pretty early. Adelaide dominated, kicked 6-7 six, seven, six, seven in the first quarter. The game was really probably over then. So, yeah, again, they did what they had to do. All right, we move on to round 11, uh, the Eagles. Woodville West Torrens v South Adelaide. Yeah, I'll go Woodville West Torrens. Port Adelaide v West Adelaide. I'll go Port. I think Port are flying at the moment. I, I can't can't tip against them, and they've just moved into the top five as well. Glenelg v Centrals. This one's going to be a good game. Yeah, at, it's at Glenelg. Though, it is it? at Glenelg. Yeah, I'll go the base. I'll go the base. Uh, North Adelaide v Adelaide. I'll go Adelaide. I'll go Adelaide, but uh, the Roosters uh, just stumbling a little bit at the yeah. moment. Um, expect them to be a little bit better than what they have been showing. But again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And North Adelaide will be there around the top five uh, coming into the season. And probably the biggest game of, of the round is uh, Sturt v Norwood. It is huge game. Huge ramifications for both teams, really. Sturt win, they pretty much will sew up top spot. Uh, again, uh, Nord win. They're only a game out of the five. Yeah, look, it is a huge game, and I'll, I'll obviously go on Sunday. But um, oh, you've got to tip Sturt at Unley. But uh, Nord have a reasonable record at Unley, so it's it's actually been ironic. The last few years, it's almost been Nord have won at Unley and Sturt have won at Parade. Yeah. So maybe it's um, a good time that we're playing at at Unley Oval. So, maybe. Yeah, but I, I think Sturt will just. I, bat, think Sturt, I think Sturt bat a bit deeper. Yep. So well, Nord yeah. winning the last two gives them a little bit of confidence. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, having having these buy rounds, split rounds, state games, there's just never really any momentum that you can sort of grab at the moment. And you have two good wins, you you want to keep going, you want yeah. to keep playing. And and you know they had the weekend off, so yeah, I think Sturt and Unley are probably going to uh, to get the chocolates on this occasion. But I hope Nord give them a, a hell of a go, a hell of a shake. That's for sure. Yeah, and looking forward to hopefully seeing Liam Robinson play a league game while I'm not doing the scoreboard. So that would be great. Be able to watch a bit more attentively him. So yeah, absolutely watch yeah. Uh, watch him out on the ground one on one. All right, mate, we move on. Oh, to t- and he'll, he'll hear me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yes. 
we move on to tennis, mate. Uh, Wimbledon is only a couple of days yeah. away now. Um, Dimonor uh, playing against Alcaraz at, at Queens and uh, coming runner-up on this occasion. But, gee, oh, gee, gee, it was a fantastic game. It was a good match. It was a good game, a good match. So, yeah, look, he is our best chance. You can't see him winning it. No. Nope. But hopefully he goes to the second week. Yep. Right. Draw could open up, which yeah, can happen right. on occasions. Um, he's really just got to get past that uh, first couple of rounds, which are obviously the, the, the tougher of the... Uh, the rounds, and then you sort of know what you're up against uh, as the as the games go on. But uh, Jason Kubler wins his first uh, grass court title and has now hit a career high of 74. Yeah, so it'd be interesting. He's on a bit of momentum to see how he goes. Absolutely. So. Uh, James Duckworth uh, wins his first round of qualifiers as well. Um, so, you know, there's, there's Australians doing some, some good things. Uh, unfortunately, Tanasi Kokonakis actually lost his first round of yeah. qualifying. Now... Just to let the the, the uh, listeners in, he's actually ranked inside the top 100, which actually gains him automatically qualif- qualification to the main draw of Wimbledon. But that only came after he made uh, the third or fourth round of the French Open and the rankings came out after the draw was actually set for Wimbledon, which means he had to go through qualifying. He actually lost his first round, so now his only chance of probably getting in is getting a wild card uh, f- via the All England Club. So we can we can hope. So we'll just wait and see on that. I think if he gets in, he'll do okay. He yeah. generally does. I think it was a bit of a surprise. I did look at the statistics for uh, his match that he did lose. There wasn't too much in it as far as you know break points, uh, serving percentage, uh, points overall one. Um, so you know, I think I think Australia does have reciprocal rights there, um, and he's a, probably a very good chance of getting a wild card. We will wait and see. That's all we can do on that one. There were six men, uh, sorry, six women and five men in the uh, qualifying for Wimbledon this year. So good luck to those ladies and gentlemen. We'll see how we go. All right, mate, we'll take a quick break. Once we come back from the break, we'll have a big in-depth look at the cricket. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, mate. Cricket. Uh, Australia wins the first test in England. Far yeah. away. Yeah, it's been interesting in England's reaction. So they feel like they won. So we can actually have breaking news here now, Pete, that uh, Pete Myers and I have decided that therefore aren't we doing the scoreboard that we believe that Nord should win every game at the parade. So we've decided we're going to make up the scores for the scoreboard. So Fair. breaking news, yeah. <laughs> now, that's ridiculous. Yeah? We feel like we won. Well, hang on. Do we know that... Uh, Cummins and Lyon may may have put on another hundred. Yeah, you know, like it was just yeah weird. Is is their comments based around the baseball? As in, they sort of got game. They got the game on their terms. They feel like they were confident enough to to maybe win the game. But really, at the end of the day, they didn't. Yeah, I'm just very happy that Bearstow's continuing to be there. <coughs> Wicket keeper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, declaring on the first day yeah, was probably ridiculous. probably their biggest mistake there. I, for mine, just that was just crazy. What do we want? What do you want to do in in sport? The exact opposite of what the opposition wants you to do. Well, I'll give you the big tip: when they declared, the Australians were walking off, high fiving each other. It was crazy. It was uh, get the party cake out yeah. in the change rooms and uh, let's enjoy it. Um, Travis Head once again really showing his worth. Probably a little bit of. Um, Disappointment. It's probably Labashane. I thought he'd do a little bit better than what he has been doing. 
Yeah. I mean, they do come and go. I know. I understand. It's also a bit crazy where the amount of times he's been dropped in test cricket and all that, he's he's had the rub of the ground. He's due for some bad luck, well and truly. Now, it was average his footwork. He's off broad. That was well outside off stump. Should have been let go. He got his foot in the, you know. Not aware of where his off stump was. Yes. Batting coaches come out and said we're working on that. Let's wait and see. Um, yeah, look, Travis got out to Moen twice, which that was disappointing. Yep. Second innings was a reasonable ball, but Travis's technique wasn't great in the second innings. And the first one, he let the, the bottom hand come into it too much where it should have kept going straight, mm-hmm. what he had, had been doing. Um, so, look. Alex Carey got a good one from Anderson in the first innings. Yep. But Us- Usman Khawaja, I mean, yeah, really, you know, you can't, go, can't go past it. Probably the only thing the only thing Kez did wrong in the game was he'd been dropped already by Root on a court and bowled. Well, let's either get down the track and go dead straight mm-hmm. or along the ground. Yep. The fact he'd already been dropped the court and bowled and then get out that same way, Considering you know, his reverse sweeping way of getting it, that's where I want to see Kez think his way a bit more through. Absolutely, something his keeping was fantastic. Oh, was it ever? Um, I mean, you, you compare players against opposition players. I mean, oh, and that was the difference. It was that was the game changer. Like none of this, we feel like we won. Alex Carey clearly out out kept David Besto. There's oh, there's the difference. Absolutely. There, why not actually be honest? Absolutely. Do we see Besto? Keeping in this second test coming up? Well, he's already been picked. They didn't pick folks. Okay. They've picked their side. They've bought in Tung. Uh, Josh Tung comes into their 11. He made his debut against Ireland and got a fifer against Ireland. So yep. it's hard really to gauge. But he comes in for Moen. So Root is playing as their sole spinner. So that's an interesting call. Considering it's quite a green top as well at this stage. So you'd think, therefore, that's why they've done it. Yep. And I think, so therefore, I'll actually be surprised if Australia don't bat first tonight either way. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, what, well, you've just led me into my next point. What do we expect from the second test? Do we expect Basball to continue or do we expect a little bit more restraint from England or do we see Australia uh, take the attack up up to England? I think they've committed. England have almost committed themselves to play this way. Um, let's also go through a lot of their success with it was batting second and the decks have become pretty flat and they managed to chase down chase down some big scores so mm-hmm. I think that's the way they'll go um, oh look you just hope, and let's also it was quite bizarre we were actually recording um, Timmy G that night and to go back and watch where he tried to um, this the uh, swivel shot over the over the keeper, the first ball of the day, mm-hmm. and it just missed off stump. Geez, I wish that had bowled him. Yep. Um. So that was that's not just attacking. That that was crazy. Yep. Um. A kamikaze cricket. Yeah. It's so it is. I get it. You want to play with freedom and and all that, but I reckon there's got to be a bit more now. So I just hope, hopefully, Australia get up, and at least now England have got to win two of the remaining four. And not have and not have Australia win one. And yep. the way they play, you think there's going to be results. Unless there's weather comes in, there's going to be results. Uh, English weather can yeah. can be um, temperamental at the best of times, but it is the best time of year to be there. So, yeah, you're right. Um, you don't need a huge amount of play to get results. Like everyone kept going on about the women's game. Oh, it's going to be a draw. It's going to be a draw. 
I'm thinking, folks, you're forgetting how much cricket is still to be played yep, here. Absolutely. Turned out Australia win in the first session of the fifth day. Hold your fire yep, on that one because yep. we'll come to that one in a minute. Uh, which player do we see scoring big? I mean, if you look at Australia over the last two or three years, there's been one player that has actually held their spot and yeah. and held the game in their hands. Obviously, Kawaja was in the first test. You know, David Warner was back here in Sydney. Um, in Steve uh, yeah. Smith and uh, Head were, were impressive yeah. as well. Who do we see sort of standing up, considering we just talked about Labuschagne? Uh, I'm going to go the very safe, obvious name, Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Yeah. I can't disagree with you, mate. Um, I, I know you watch cricket a hell of a lot more than what I do, and from the outside I reckon that Steve Smith is probably the man for sure. All right, uh, we move on. Um Cricket, uh, with the women's yep. cricket, uh, Ashes in uh, England. Uh, Australia batting first, all out for 473. Uh, Elise Perry with 99. Uh, I understand Greg Blewett did text her welcoming her to the 99 club. <laughs> it's not I a club it, you want to be in, that's for I sure. Said, well, she's certainly the best-looking person who's ever been in the 99 club, Louie. Good call. Uh, Annabelle Sutherland, uh, 137. 100 from number eight. 137 not out. Um you know, Australia got off to a pretty good start. Most batsmen got a bit of a start, except for Elisa Helia, which was surprising as well. And was dropped on North in the second innings. So she's made three globes in her last three test innings. Yep. Played with two broken fingers and so demoted herself down to number eight and got dropped on North, but then proceeded to make 50, which was pretty important in the end. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, uh, the first innings, uh, England bowled out for 463, getting pretty close there. Beaumont double hundred. Yep. It's a remarkable game for individual stats. Like, we'll keep going on this one. Yep. So you've got, we've just mentioned Elise Perry and, and Sutherland. You've then and got... Ash Gardner in the first set, uh, four, four for 99. She's ended up with 12 for the yep. game. Yep. Sophie Eccleston gets 10 wickets. Beaumont at double hundred. So Elise Perry has made 99 and 25 and taken a wicket, doesn't get a vote in the players player of the match, which is really <laughs> rare. It's crazy, isn't so it? So in terms of just individual stuff, it's um, yeah, it was a remarkable test match. Charlie McGrath chipping in with uh, three wickets for uh, off 12 overs for 24 runs in that first innings. And, and bowled it, well again in the second innings. And then it was game on. Uh, Australia all out for 257 in the second innings. Uh, really de- delicately poised, uh, you know, with England obviously uh, bowling Australia out a little bit cheaper than what they would have liked. Um, like I said, Beth Mooney, uh, 85 at the top of the innings there. Um, and then Elisa Healy with 50. So, you know, really the only two um, uh, notables in that innings. And then, yeah, like we said, game on, uh, England. Well, we got away to a good start. And it turned out that that was probably the... The um the winning partnership where we went to stumps at none for eighty odd with Be- um, Beth Mooney and oh the other opener on her debut um uh, uh Litchfield yeah yep uh, Sophie Litchfield yes uh Phoebe get, Phoebe Phoebe, Litchfield. Phoebe yes correct. Phoebe Litchfield Sophie's her sister yes um getting away getting Australia away there to a good start so uh, and then. Uh, you know, obviously, with the bowling side of things, um, we see that uh, Ash Gardner, eight, f- eight for 66. She, she just bowled well and bowled smart and just realised that it was a deck 
just let the deck do its work. Some balls spun, some didn't. Yep. She actually got more wickets with the one which straightened, just went on with the arm. And that couple of good catches by Alicia Healy uh, standing up. Um, Pretty good economy rate of 3.3. I mean, one uh, 20 overs, one maiden, eight for 66. Jeez, you'd take that any day of the week, wouldn't you? Incredible game for twelve for the twelve for the game, and yeah, just a winner in the end. And let's also remember, Maidhead has played most of her cricket more as a batsman who could bowl a bit. Now her career's gone a little bit more the other, the way. other way. As a genuine all rounder, though, uh, Australia bowling England out for one seventy eight, and um, yeah, it was delicately poised there early on the fifth day, but a couple of early wickets certainly uh, turned the tide pretty. Pretty well. All right, we move on, mate. State of origin, uh, as we sort of predicted, um, Queensland taking the chocolates against uh, New South Wales. Yeah, just too good again. Um, fair bit of pressure now on Queensland to win the um, on New South Wales to win the third third game. Uh, game coach under pressure as always in that situation. Um, but yeah. Isn't it amazing how Queensland have got the wood on uh, New South Wales at the moment? Um, they seem to be playing above themselves in some respects, but you know, getting that first game win is just huge, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely huge. All right, mate, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got uh, Craig Martin. Um, some people may not know who Craig is, but uh, we had a very, very good conversation with Craig about uh, golf in general, but also live golf um, and and golf uh, the PGA Tour and how they might co- coexist in the future. And we may be the one who uh, drops a golf story here. Craig has actually messaged me a couple of times while we've been recording so far, and it hasn't broken uh, yet elsewhere. So we may be breaking an exclusive here. On Sports Media SA. Absolutely. We, uh, we're we going to post uh, part of that uh, interview a little bit earlier than usual because it is breaking news. Yes. So um, we look forward to that and by all means have a little bit of a listen to uh, Craig as part of our Local Legends, Past Players, Past Legends segment. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Local Legends. Well, folks, there's a lot of things happening in the golf world, so we thought it was uh, appropriate to get on a golfing guru and uh, he can explain what's exactly happening out there and his own career, etc. in golf. Welcome aboard, Craig. Thanks, Malcolm. Nice to be on board. So... Yeah, give us a brief uh, resume of your illustrious uh, career, etc., involvement in the golfing world, mate. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, my playing career, the irony is uh, sort of 30 years on, I was probably best at about 18 years old. Um, played a lot of state golf, represented the state and captained the state quite a few times. I won the Australian Championship, um, but coming out of school, uh, I had to make the decision whether I went down the pro path or go to uni and probably the kicker for me is there was guys that were better players than me who had taken the step but I could see they were struggling so I made the decision you know 30 years later I probably regret some of it but um, decided to go down the uh, university path so still played golf at a high level 
amateur career, probably a lot of pennant golf and uh, played in successful Grange Golf Club uh, Simpson Cup teams, won five Simpson Cups, uh, probably finished my actual playing career at that level around 2000, but I've always been active in golf and um, in recent years rekindled the golf and by getting involved with professional caddying, um, doing it in and out of corporate life, but um, yeah, was in the US in 2020, about to embark on a LPGA caddying experience um, when COVID hit, so kind of that put an end to that, but I've always been highly active in sports right from a young age and golf, uh, yeah, has always been the passion, but certainly footy and cricket and tiddlywinks, anything really sport, I'll watch yep. it. Yep, likewise. What What was your favourite course here in Adelaide before you embarked on uh, over in the US? <laughs> Actually, yeah, well, I've, my home club's Grange, but uh, I think personally the best golf course in Adelaide's always been Royal Adelaide. Um, you really you got the top five, no, nothing comes close to them. Um, Royal Adelaide, Grange, both. Uh, Kuyonga and Glenelg, personally, I probably would rank them RA, Kui, Grange West, Glenelg, Grange East. But, you know, opinions are like noses. Yep. Everyone's got one. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Good call. And what about in the US? Uh, obviously, you got a chance to, uh, to to have a round on a couple of their courses over there? Well, yeah. So uh, originally when I went over there, I was, it was in Phoenix. And um, the first event, I actually caught up and stayed with Nigel Spence, who's a very well-known uh, Australian golfer. He's now nicely set up as a director of golf at the most exclusive uh, country club in Arizona. But I you know, stayed with him for 10 days. Things changed very, very quickly. That was literally when COVID broke. So when the caddying got uh, cancelled, was able to play uh, Phil Mickelson's home course um, and a couple others, Desert Forest, and uh, had had a look around Desert Mountain. I mean, Phoenix is just is like the mecca of golf in the US. It's, it's totally different with the uh, desert golf, but brutal. You hit the golf ball five metres offline and it's reload because you're not going into the cactus to find it. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty unique different. experience, but amazing. It was got to do a few things that weren't planned, like horse riding in the desert and that type of thing. So it was, it was brilliant. How about, um, for me, the home of golf? As a, as a person who isn't a golf fanatic, but the golf tournament that no way and I mi- will miss any year is Augusta. How about, uh, have you had anything to do with Augusta, mate? No, I haven't been fortunate enough to get to Augusta yet, but uh, certainly know plenty who have, and they, they say, yeah, it's a bucket list, you have to yeah. go. Uh, I have been to St Andrews, uh, but that we're talking 20 years ago now. I ha- didn't get to play. Uh, I was actually there on my honeymoon, of all things, and um, <laughs> uh, had to make sure two things. Went to Liverpool and saw Am- uh, sorry Anfield and saw Liverpool play, yeah. but also St Andrews. Played the Himalayas putt-putt, that was about it, but uh, got the photo of the road hole bunker and whatnot. But, yeah, Augusta, definitely one day. Yeah. Um, whether I'm caddying there, that would be the ultimate goal, but... Uh, yeah, even if it's even if it's a spectator on a practice day, just to be there, uh, everyone says the same thing. It's it's a lot hillier than it looks on TV, but so so is any golf course. So, uh, are there any other golf courses around the world that you desperately want to get to? Uh, well, Pebble Beach would definitely be a good one. I mean, gee, the U.S. Women's Open is being held there, July six to nine, and um, it's 
kind of known amongst the Australian girls that I'm available. If the phone were to ring, I'd probably hop on a plane to get there. But timeline now, it's getting a bit too close, but so it's probably unlikely. But um, yeah, Pebble Beach, definitely. I mean, all the famous ones. I'd, I'd really love to go to Scotland and, and just play the, the British Open rotation courses. Uh, had a look at had a look at a couple, but never actually played them. So um, it's like anything. There's there's great golf courses everywhere in the world, and especially more and more being built in some pretty unique places, like Kangaroo Islands coming up. So yeah, um, yeah. that's a brilliant project. Um, obviously, I know Wade Ormsby's heavily involved with that, but the guys who designed that, you know, they've already proven themselves with King Island golf courses. So that will be that will attract a totally different. Tourists to South Australia. Um, also, also, turns you did have a few big names lined up for caddying. You're a bit unlucky there, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, it's caddying is a real fickle thing. It's you know it's opportunity and and um, you know if there's no uh, no guarantees. It's not like you sign a three year contract yeah. like AFL. Um, you could be caddying for doesn't matter who it is, but you could be caddying for them, and all of a sudden you have a falling out over something minor and it's very much a verbal agreement. You could be <laughs> get the uh, don't come Monday, but that could happen on a Wednesday. So, uh, um, and vice versa, like, you know, there's players around the traps that know that I'm back interested in doing some, but um, probably realistically, I won't do any now until the Australian summer starts. So I'll probably look to do Australian Open and Australian PGA. Um, who that's for, that's, you know, in the next few months, I'll uh, let those that I know have already got um, gigs maybe coming back from the US. Um, yep. Reading your acquaintance with some guys I used to play against, that would be pretty cool, um, who uh, have made their millions and still continue to play on the US PGA Tour and lining up to play Champions Tour, which uh, kind of gives away the age group now. So, <laughs> <laughs> did, did the pandemic uh, rekindle your, you know, your, your drive for wanting to be a caddy? Uh, oh, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I came back from from the US, and I'd I'd really was driven. I'd been in the corporate world, and I, there was an un, there was an unscratched itch, I guess, from when I was a teenager that I really wanted to went to uni really to set up my own business and maybe get into golf, uh, managing either a club or a facility or player management whatsoever. Um, when I kind of got back in that world and got accepted, um, it's very clicky. They, uh, they they weed out people very quickly um, and got accepted by some of Australia's up-and-coming players. That kind of reassured me that okay, maybe there's something in this. So COVID put a dampener on that, and then I've, I've, I suppose I've spent the last couple of years doing a reset, um, went into the corporate world and realised, you know what, I think I need to go back to where I was four years ago or three years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm sort of pursuing that and yep. um, seeing where it takes me. Okay, where for the layman per, at the moment it's, is Live Golf and the golfing world situated? Because it seems to be pretty hard to follow what's actually happening and some say it's continuing, some say it's finishing. It's Yeah, so give us your uh, your view there, mate. I'm sure you've got far more knowledge on that. than Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as I've said on some other radio interviews, local radio and even nationally, um, it's an interesting time for golf. Uh, it will make a good movie one day because uh, you couldn't exactly say golf is well in the news, you know, compared to AFL or yeah. yep. Formula One or EPL, NBA, etc. But 
currently, like it's up, it's changing daily. Um, from the announcement where um, the live backers for the Saudi Saudi Arabians um, who have injected all the money, uh, basically it is a takeover from Live Golf to the PGA Tour, but it's quite complicated. For yep. so someone who doesn't understand golf, the best way to describe it is uh, the Live have come in with a uh, uh, an offer that's too good to refuse. Um, I mean, the Saudi Arabian or the 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 fund have actually got a war chest of six hundred and fifty billion US dollars, which is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, get put you in, through the week. Yep. Put it in perspective, like our Australia's richest person is currently valued about thirty billion US. So yeah, he's got a. Um, I actually use the analogy, if you look at Formula One, they injected money about four years ago to Formula One. Um, and you notice, obviously, initially there's, there's Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Dubai. Uh, four years ago, there were no Grand Prix in the US. Now there's four. So their their aim, and I mean, I'll stay out of the politics and religion, yep. but um, from a sporting point of view, the injection of money has only made Formula One better. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a captive audience of what is it in the US now, 300 million plus. Um, They've seen the opportunity with golf to do the same thing. So effectively moving forward, there'll be a world tour. Um, PGA will run the day-to-day operations, but basically the Saudi Arabians are funding it. So whilst currently you've got PGA tour, the European tour, Asian tour live, the way I see it going forward will be, uh, it'll be basically, live will probably get renamed. Um, it'll probably all fall under the PGA banner, but there would probably be three or four events across the world on any given week. So um, the PGA event will be, you know, the main one. But if there's a live event, you'll see guys like Rory McIlroy. Now, I quite openly say it's only my opinion, but I believe Rory will play in Adelaide in February next year. Okay. Well, that'd be a big get. That would be a huge get. Massive. And the other other one that I dropped was, uh, and this is not public knowledge yet, but you can break it on the podcast first, you've heard it first, is there will be a second event in Queensland next year. Um, Dates are still not finalised, but it'll be at Sanctuary Cove, which will allow Adam Scott to basically play with Cameron Smith because that's his home home course. Of course, yep. And, yeah, that's pretty well locked away. Um, not public knowledge yet, but it's it's it'll it'll come out in due course. So the live golf seems to have attracted a younger audience and a more party sort of atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, there's the best analogy for golf will be is cricket. You look at Test cricket, and well, I mean that last Test match was brilliant, um, and you know reinvigorate the the sport. But you know, Test cricket in 2020, I mean. You know, you were not taking your kids to a test match. It's for the traditionalists. And golf's probably a bit the same. You know, four-day events, they're not Groundhog Day, but they're exciting. If you want to go and watch a certain player or, you know, be there for the atmosphere, it'll attract, you know, the the golfer. What Live Golf did here in Adelaide is it attracted the non-golfer, the guys that flew into Adelaide with their mates. And there's probably some mates back in Sydney or Melbourne that goes, oh, no, I don't want to go. And then all of a sudden now they, they're regretting the yeah. fact they weren't here. A bit like um, gather around. Was, yeah, exactly right. I was I was listening to a lot of – I didn't do any volunteering or anything that week. I was there as Joe Public myself. And it was deliberate because I just wanted to soak up the atmosphere and get an idea of what Liv was all about. Two things I noticed, and I knew some other players and caddies, um, the players were so relaxed. 
they um they were engaging with the with the, with the crowd, and they're obviously they're they're trying to build a profile for the live. Um, but it was a you know, it's not a party atmosphere. Yeah, there's a bit of background music, and okay, there was the party hole, which you know there was aspects of that. Even I go, yeah, okay, don't agree with that. Yep. You know, volunteers getting hit in the head by beer cans and all that. That's not yes, on. Over the top. Um, and that won't happen. That won't happen next year, I guarantee you. Um, but you know, the actual event. I'll give you a prime example. My girlfriend never been to golf. Wasn't interested. After two days, she's like, "Oh, you sound like having a lot of fun. Can you get me a ticket?" I'm like, "Of course I can." So she came along for three hours, and has already said to me she wants to go to three days next year. So um, she just loved it. She goes, oh, my God, it's totally different to how I pictured it. You know, it's yeah, a bit it's like, interesting look, perspective, isn't it? Yeah. A bit like, a bit like lawn bowls. Everyone thought lawn bowls was for old people. But <laughs> when you pl- when you actually play it yourself, you go, hang on, this is a really good game. <laughs> Pete's pretty pumped up for that mention because Pete's the big lawn bowl. He's the lawn am, bowl mate. man, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely. Well, there agree, you go. With I mean, you, agree with you there. Yeah, well, everyone thinks lawn bowls is for, you know, the plus 60s. But when you actually do it, you look at the su- success of night hours now. Like, yeah. Uh, Golf's no different. Like, you know, golf golf is addictive. Doesn't matter if you're a hacker, never played it before. You hit that one shot and you flush it, you go, oh, hang on, I want to do that again. <laughs> and it uh, doesn't matter if you've played 30 years like me. Um, it's the most frustrating game sport in the world. But uh, even on a bad day, all of a sudden, you you know, who knows, you might have a hole in one. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you on a little story. I'm a bit of a keen golfer myself, and um, my yeah, grand right. my grandparents played quite a bit and uh, had putt putt out in their backyard. And uh, one day, uh, a mate of mine said, "Come on, let's go down to the par three and we'll, we'll have a go." Happened to be a public holiday, and we get up to the first hole, and there's probably a lineup of about ten or twelve people waiting to have their shot. People are duffing them and. And clubbing them and absolutely nailing it, and uh, and my mate looks at me and goes, oh, "I don't know whether we can do this." And he goes, "You go first. No, I said, "You go, you go first. I don't want to make a mistake." In the end, I did go first. Sure enough, I hit the pin on the first uh, first hole from about 120 meters away, and ever since then, I've been hooked. So I, I totally get it. Yeah, well, and actually, the the hardest shot in golf is the first shot of any round. It doesn't matter who you ask, even. Even you ask one of the pros, they tee it up in a in a pro event, and and the the old heart rate's going, and they've they've got the little shakes going, and it's mm. like, oh, okay, breathe out. I haven't I haven't sniped it in and killed anyone and all that type of thing. So, uh, well, when I nailed it, <laughs> yeah, I, I looked it around. To everyone, I looked around at my mate, and he's just hand in head, going, "Oh my god, you made me look like an idiot," uh, because we hadn't done it before, and uh, he ended up getting his about sixty or seventy meters straight down the middle, and I think he was quite happy in the end. Well, there's an old saying in golf is every shot pleases someone. Yep. Uh, so if your mate hits a bad shot, that's pleased you. And if you hit a good shot, it pleased you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> every shot pleases someone. So just getting back to the live golf, uh, would you liken it to a little bit like what tennis went through and also World Series cricket went through when obviously there was a bit more money involved and, and a little bit of a different structure to it? Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, not so much tennis. I think they they – they tried it and failed, but uh, cricket definitely. Uh, I have likened it to the Kerry Packer scenario. Now the the issues around golf are totally different to cricket. I mean, money certainly wasn't the issue. Um, the the reality of the PGA Tour is the demographic that's attracting was the fifty pluses. Um, the live guys have really identified. Okay, that's all well and good, but now you know post the Tiger era, 
Um, golf is in a fantastic place. I mean, there will always be superstars coming along. Like, um, you know, my prediction, Minwoo Lee, he's Australia's next superstar. Um, when he, I was there when he won his first event three years ago, caddying, um, and now, like, he just had a great result. I'd, I would be backing him for the British Open coming up. He's, that's his, his style of game, pure ball striker. Um, he's the best ball striker I've actually caddied in a group with. Like, just the noise of his... Uh, driving iron is unbelievable. As a, and you would appreciate, Peter, that uh, you know we hit the ball and it goes clunk. Yep. When he get, when he hits it, it goes. <laughs> it's just a pure noise. Um, so yeah, so I mean the live guys are really really trying to attract the younger audience. Now that it's coming together, what will happen? And it's just come out today, or they've just released. They're going to have a relegation system in live. So the top 24 players are guaranteed a uh, start next year. But from 25 to 48, um, there's going to be criteria. So certainly the bottom five players will be relega- relegated. But in between 25 to um, 43, they could be replaced. So that's going to mean the fields are going to be strengthened now that there's no ramifications for, say, if Adam Scott were to play in Queensland previously, he might have got a suspension or a fine. Now he'll be free to get, come and go. So he might only play one or two events per year, but um, being that he's a PGA loyalist, but um, particularly that Sanctuary Co event, I, I would put my house on, on it that he plays. And with the, uh, obviously, the ramifications, as you just mentioned there, you know, how does that, factor in when players are trying to plan their year as far as, well, I can play in this event, but I'm not allowed to play in that event. What's the feeling around the golf scene that, that you know, that the PGA were sort of, in, a, in effect, uh, restraining of trade or restraining of players to play in yeah. those tournaments? Well, the biggest, the biggest rest, uh, the restriction or the penalty effectively for the best players in the world was that the live golf events weren't counting for um, world ranking points. So, you know, you guys like Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, DJ, they were all ranked in the top, or maybe not Mickelson, but certainly DJ and Brooks were in the top 10 in the world. All of a sudden, they're playing live events. So all their ranking points from previous years drop out, and they're all of a sudden ranked, you know, 150, 170 and declining. Um, that's had ramifications. So guys, it's only literally this morning, like Lee Westwood will miss his first Open for 29 years. He's played 29 years yeah. consecutively. Now, he, he won't play this year. Um, Sergio Garcia, who should be a walk-up start, is having to go through pre-qualifying. Like, so uh, the powers to be have got a lot of work to do and it'll all, probably all come out later in the year, but world rankings is the biggest one. How do they juggle the different events? So yeah. the way I see it working is the PGA Tour events will be like for the elite then there might be another PGA event, which whatever they call it, let's say Category A is called the World Tour, for argument's sake. Then there might be the PGA event, which is more for the guys that are, you know, ranked between 70 and 200. Um, then there could well, at the same time, be another event over in Europe, and certainly there'll be an event in Asia. So Asia, the Asian Tour will be the, a feeder tour for the Live, um, the Live Tour. But that's all probably going to get renamed. So it's it's an interesting time ahead. It's changing daily. Um, my personal opinion, it's fantastic for the sport. Um, it gives long term investment, and it will certainly attract you know 
anything from 10-year-olds 10, 10 to 30-year-olds who may or may not have played golf before. That'll, it'll attract them towards the sport. And huge news uh, in golf today, mate. Well, and that, that kind of, yeah, so the President's Cup's coming back to Australia in 2028 at Kingston Heath. Now, that to, you know, just a sports lover might not sound like much, but that just gives more reinforcement to everything I just said. That means, okay, the President's Cup is still on the agenda. The Ryder Cup will be on the agenda. The players will be, it'll be the strongest teams from those regions. So, you know, Ryder Cup this year will be diminished, unfortunately, despite, you know, the live guys, particularly Europe, um, you know, they've come out and said they probably won't consider your Garcias and and Stensons and those guys who, you know, whether they're walk-up starts or not, they've had a lot of, or, and Ian Poulter, you know, Mr. Ryder Cup himself, the postman. Uh, the Americans have come out, you know, Brooks would have to get a start in DJ, but they're a bit more inclined to have them. But, you know, Australia will have the best players in the world coming here, which I know I certainly have been over to Royal Melbourne when I was 2011, um, the only time I've physically seen Tiger play golf, um, and I, you know that was a pretty cool experience. Had to go about three or four holes ahead of him to, to see him, but you know you got be like I'm looking at him right now in my my office, Michael Jordan, seeing him live, or I can say yes, Tiger Woods was within six feet feet of me, and I went full fan child. <laughs> oh, the word is he said he saw Craig Martin, mate. That's the word. Wow, he goes, who's that, who's that Smithers bloke? Yeah, that exactly. Like, really? <laughs> that bloody port supporter. He wanted to shoot you. Fair enough, too. Um, anything, <laughs> anything else to add, add, add uh, Craig? Oh, I just think, I mean, it's a great time first for golf. I mean, to any, any of your listeners out there that uh, have an interest in sport, just, just get on the socials and start following PJ Tour, Live Golf, um, but also, I mean, coming into the Australian summer, um, there's going to be a fantastic buzz around the Australian Open and PJ because now um, you'll probably find that we will get not just Cam Smith coming back to defend, there'll be, um, you know, the who's who of Australian golf and maybe a couple of big big internationals will make the time to come down because um, I can see the Australian Open and the PJ in the future being part of this world tour. Are we seeing obviously the the uh, excitement, I suppose, around Live and, and PGA, and obviously all the publicity? Are we seeing it at the coalface at club level? Well, COVID had a big big say in that. Uh, golf golf memberships have gone through the roof because golf was one of the few uh, activities which met the criteria. You could still exercise. Um, there were obviously restrictions about what you could do with uh, flag sticks and everything else, but uh, apart from the lockdown periods in here in Adelaide, we were able to play golf pretty much the whole way through, um, and particularly interstate. I was just talking to someone in Queensland. Uh, he owns a, a resort up there, and they were doing about 24,000 rounds per year. He said currently they're doing about 37,000, so it's been a massive increase in popularity. Uh, even when you could do it, be a walk-up, start to play somewhere like the Glades or... Um, uh, not so much Sanctuary Cove because they've gone really private, but uh, now, you, yeah, you've got to book well in advance because uh, I've just recently tried to book some stuff for some footballers and uh, try to get on. I was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, you can play at 2.30 or you can play at uh, <laughs> 3.30. And I was like, wow, okay. So the popular is booming. Um, you know, the women in sport, um, there's a lot more girls getting involved. Um, junior Junior golf is really booming. Um, I know 
ones that I've previously been involved with, but I'm no longer involved officially at Grange, um, that their junior clinics are basically booking out. So kids are getting involved. And that's probably a spin-off they might have been to live golf with their mum and dad. And uh, oh, I want to have a go. So they're making it fun. So it's change, changing the mould of the way golf is perceived in in the global environment. And Malcolm mentioned that you're a footy supporter, a port supporter. Uh, oh, take yeah, us through yeah. some of your – I'm sure you catch up with a few of the players every now and then. Take us through some of those oh, exploits. You might be able to reveal a story from uh, about a prominent port player from the past, actually. Yeah, well, actually, I've been at port training today, just taking my notes for some local identities but also a Facebook group. But um, so nothing major to report from today. It was all stock standard. But, uh, yeah, so 10 years ago, there's a famous Travis Boak story now um, – some people listening to this might go, yeah, yeah, whatever. But uh, you can get some of the people involved in this story that uh, will verify it. But um, 10 years ago, there's obviously a bit of speculation about Bokey going home and Port, Port were going through a period of hurt. Um, and obviously, don't need to go into that, but we all know the reasons behind it. Uh, but I just happened to be going to a conference in Queensland on a Sunday morning now, Port Adelaide had played Friday night from memory and Crows had played away in um, Melbourne, I presume. Um, my flight to the Gold Coast got cancelled and I got del- uh, got transferred to Melbourne. So I arrived in Melbourne Airport, minding my own business. I've got about 15 minutes before my connecting flight. As I'm standing there across the loudspeaker, it was, would the following passengers please make their way to, let's say, gate number 12? Mr. Selwood, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Bartell, and Mr. Scott. And I'm thinking, well, those names are familiar. And sure enough, running past me go the four guys I just mentioned, all wearing civvies. And I looked up and I go, oh, where are they going? Oh, it's a flight to Adelaide. Now, uh, at the time, I was not prominent, but I would text the radio stations with Michelangelo and Cornsy and Rowie back then. And... um, I'm thinking, well, no, there must be underage championships on. So I quickly looked it all up. No, there's nothing on. And I was like, well, why would they be going to Adelaide on Sunday morning? So anyway, long story short, I put two and two together. I was like, hang on, maybe they're going to see Bokey. Nah, couldn't be that. So I uh, looked at the time. And it just so happened it was 11.30 back in Adelaide, which Michelangelo Rucci was doing the Sunday roast at the time. And um, I flicked him a text message. I said, don't know if there's anything in this, but these four guys just on their way on a flight right now to um, Adelaide. Are they coming to see Bokey? You know, and that was it. I then hopped on a plane to the Gold Coast thinking, oh, I wonder what's gone on there. Uh, by the time I got on off the plane on the Gold Coast, Michelangelo had actually uh, gone to air with it and just so happened that good old Tommy Wren and the cameraman who I I knew, but unfortunately he's had some medical issues um, since that time, but uh, they just happened to be in the Channel 9 newsroom and my mate, the cameraman, heard it. And Tommy was the, the young uh, reporter at the time on a hunch. How about we go down to Adelaide Airport? So they've rocked up unannounced TV, TV crew and basically um, caught the boys arriving at the airport and they were <laughs> They were uh, more than surprised. But anyway, it was later proven that, yes, they were there to see Travis Boak. 
So, um, and obviously that story went national very quickly. So it was quite interesting. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I keep reminding Tommy I, I made his career. So Fair enough. So. <laughs> yeah, cool. You've done well. Who you know, not what you know. Yeah, so, I mean, it's one of those things. I was just, yeah, it was, that one was a hunch. I mean, uh, and, well, I was right. Ah, well played. And you'd be pretty happy with Port Adelaide at the moment? No, no, we won't worry oh, about Oh, okay. That. We haven't yeah, got no, enough time? No, okay, no, sorry, no, mate. I'm pretty – actually, well, just on that, I'm pretty happy that Travis is still around. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. And uh, he still will play for another at least another two years. But, uh, yes, Port are going very well. All right. No, no, you're definitely in with a chance, as much as I hate to say it, and I reckon Butters is the best player in the game at the moment. So, Craig, uh, greatly appreciated coming on. I'm sure we will – touch base and keep in contact with what's happening in the golfing world. Yeah, anytime, Malcolm. If you're yeah, letting into a major event or if any any news comes up, you know where to find me. Absolutely. We'll give you a call straight away. Greatly appreciate it, mate. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate. And, mate, we thank Craig for his time, uh, obviously giving us uh, a little bit of an insight into the Live Golf and how, um, how they will coexist in the future. It was it was fascinating in terms of how it looks like it'll work. So, and I like Craig kept it pretty much in layman's term, explained it, simplified it for yeah. Well, I mean, we talked non-golfing people, and we talked about this a couple of months ago when obviously Liv was uh, coming to Australia and Adelaide, and and we and we were sort of wondering how it might work. And he's obviously a little bit more closer to the uh, the situation than most. And you're right, him giving it us in some layman's terms really did help us out. All right, mate, we move on to happy days. Let's go. Happy days. All right, mate, to kick off happy days today, we did talk about this player a little bit earlier, but uh, Mitch Hinge from the Adelaide Crows, 25 years old, Delisted from Brisbane, defender Mitch Hinge has joined Adelaide um, as one of the first players to move club via the free uh, delisted free agency window, signing a two-year deal at uh, at Adelaide at West Lakes um, after playing three games in four seasons for the Lions. It's probably been a bit of a bonus. Like he's, I thought, yeah, okay, becomes a player at the bottom of your list. Good, honest battler. I'll give one thing. Jeez, he has a crack. He, he physically puts his body on the line. Mm-hmm. In fact, he got himself injured one game where he went too far with it. Wasn't real yep. smart, the commitment in that regard. And, and his efforts one. against Collingwood on Saturday yeah. probably typified what I reckon why Nixie probably wanted to recru- yeah. wanted to recruit him. Yeah. Definitely a player to watch, and I think he's only going to grow with confidence uh, with a bit more game time. And, uh, you know, he's around that 25, 26-year mark, uh, had a bit of experience, obviously, at AFL level, definitely done his apprenticeship at the SNFL level, uh, now reaping the rewards at the AFL level as well. So uh, we wish Mitch Hinge happy birthday. All right, mate, uh, tennis, we thought we'd go back and deep dive here. Uh, into uh, some results there. Tennis in 1898. We're going yeah, back I missed, a fair way. I missed that one, mate. Yes, yeah. so did I. The broadcast uh, didn't quite catch uh, catch us here. But Wimbledon's men's tennis defending champion, R.F. Doherty, beats his younger brother, Lawrence Doherty, 6-3, Sorry, 5-7, uh, Definitely say that the uh, breakfast table wouldn't have been too uh, happy the following morning. It certainly had been flowed, didn't it? It's um, a bit like the women's tennis with Serena and Venus later on in that regard. But, yeah, it's um, 
Well, it'd be weird playing against a sibling in that way. It'd, it would it'd be, be a bit funny. Absolutely, and obviously back in 1898, kicking off some Wimbledon tradition there. Yeah, he won a bad player, though. So he, he went her up. Yeah. <laughs> he did, you're right. All right, we stay with golf, or we go to golf. 1924, uh, British Open men's yeah, golf. that one too, mate. Royal yeah. Adelaide. Uh, we had to have golf because we had yes, a golf fair, guest yep, today, definitely. so we had to throw this one in. Uh, American uh, Walter Hagen wins his second Open Championship by one stroke ahead of runner-up Ernest Whitcomb. Ernest. My dad's, my dad's name, actually. Oh, so, there you go. Yes, yes. Uh, Walter Hagen was obviously a name back in the day uh, in golf. Um, obviously very, very popular American, but probably yeah. not so popular on the English shores, but um, certainly a good golfer nevertheless. Yeah, so... Feel free to dig up some info on him uh, if you want. Go any. All right, we move on to boxing. Uh, heavyweight Muhammad Ali nice. confirms his third retirement is his final, but it isn't. Yeah, isn't that it's typical of the sport? But I will say of Muhammad Ali being at the G in '98. Um, when he did that lap, yep. is the most incredible atmosphere I've ever been in. Yep, that. In 97, went, well, get this pre-game crap over with, hurry up, get on with the game. And yep. I decided, well, 98, no, I'm actually going to say, take this in. Take it in, yep. Appreciate it, what it was. To be in a crowd of 100,000 people, all standing ovation, it was spine-tingling stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, Tris- absolute tr- champion. Don't, don't get me on there. But that's my big memory of Muhammad Ali. Yep. Transcend sport, doesn't yeah. it? You know, there's, yeah. there's players throughout our lifetime and, and a lot of lifetimes that, stand out to you, and Muhammad Ali is one. Yes. Uh, I didn't obviously see him in his heyday, but, you know, obviously watching footage yeah. back, uh, you go, wow, th- this guy really did set boxing alight for for a great number of years. Oh, there was no doubt about that whatsoever. And, again, uh, I think when it comes to the Mount Rushmore, I think, unfortunately, oh, he sits on top. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no one that, that's going to beat him, that's for sure. But like a butterfly sting like a bee. Absolutely. All right, and then we move on to our final one for today, uh, 1983 baseball. MLB Seattle Mariners bat out of order against the Chicago White Sox in the second innings. Now, this is an interesting stat. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go on this one. Well, Mate. because we talk about cricket and how you can put a night watchman in yep, and you can, yep. put, you can change your order after the start of play. Yep. Well, in baseball, you can't. You yep. can't do that. You must do it. But if the opposition don't pick up on it, you don't get penalised. Okay. So it's a very interesting little quirk yeah, it's, it statistic. It is a quirk, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I thought I'd bring it up considering no, no. that, you know, with the, the cricket in the men's especially, they sent yep. Scotty Bolan in yep. to, to bat as an eye watchman. In baseball, you can't change that order. Once you've given that order at the beginning of the play, you need to stick to that order as well. So an interesting little fact, an interesting little tidbit on our happy days yeah, today. Yeah, no, it so, is. That is a fascinating one, mate. All right, well, mate. We, well played. Thank you. We move on to extra time. Big finish. Extra time, big finish. All right, mate, we could have uh, covered this one a little bit earlier, but uh, Thunderbirds, you little beauty. Yeah, fantastic result. Um, young winning by a couple against the Swifts, so bit of yeah, extra, great result. Bit of extra time, bit of overtime yeah. required to get the result, but... Um, Yes, go you Thunderbirds. Uh, got to wait, obviously, for a grand final opponent. But isn't it interesting that um, you've got an Adelaide team in the grand final, you've got a Sydney team playing in the grand final, and I think it's the Perth Fever from memory. Yeah. 
Uh, if either team, any one of those teams win, obviously, this week, uh, they have to play in Melbourne as the grand final. I mean... Yeah, it's a bit crazy. In any other normal uh, scenario, you'd be playing at uh, at the... Yeah, I don't, I don't know semi-finals, why. Grand final. Yeah, it's I don't about know money. It, it, yeah, the the money got withdrawn from uh, Reinhardt and um, yeah. and uh, her company. Um, I can't think. Of the I name would have thought though that here would get the biggest crowd. I would have thought. I would have thought so. so. It would have been in the yeah. enter- at the entertainment yeah. centre. So. An interesting wait and see, but yeah. I'm sure for those girls, they, they would have played it on the moon if yeah, they exactly. get an opportunity to grand final. It's the first time that the Thunderbirds have been there in 10 years, and yeah. we watch it with interest over the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll certainly be cheering it on from afar. Well and truly. All right, mate, AFL, uh, like we do every week at the moment, we have a little yeah. bit of fun with the trade, re-sign and retire. This week I've got Charlie Dixon, Levi Casbol, or Ed Kernow. I'll go retire Ed Cano, trade Levo Cass, re-sign Charlie Dixon. Ooh, fair call. All right. Uh, I'm probably going to be slightly different on yeah, that one. Fine. I'm going to go retire Ed Cano, so we agree there. Yeah. I'm going to trade um, uh, Levi Casbolt and retire Charlie Dixon. You're retiring Ed Cano and uh, Charlie. Sorry, no. Uh, sorry, I'm going to re-sign uh, Levi Casbolt and okay. I'm going to trade Charlie Dixon. It's always an ambiguous question because you is. want to know what you're going to get for the trade. That's so. that's yeah. true, and this is why it's a bit of fun. And yeah. you know, we just throw some names yeah. up there. So far, I've tried to 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 sort of link names to positions somewhat that yeah. that might you know cor- correspond. Yeah. That if you are trading, uh, you might be trading a forward for a forward. I think Dixon's a more important player to Port Adelaide though than Caswell is to Gold Coast, and he he so. falls into the category of like Taylor Walker for the Crows. Very yeah, I, very important player. Yeah, I agree that's why with I'm Dixon. Saying yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Dixon for me is probably just a little bit more about the injury side of things. Uh, they, they go well without him, so you know maybe it might be time for him to try retire, but. Hey, like you said, it's a very ambiguous question yep. for sure. All right, mate, the NBA draft. We talked about the NBA finals the week before. They waste no time, straight onto the draft. And Victor yeah. Wembanyama, no surprise, at the number one pick. No, what they're speaking about him, you know, oh. you know they're raving on like two what? Bob watches about him. So Once in yeah, a generation, Tab. Ta- ta- yeah. yeah. Seven foot five. Seven foot eight million, yes. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, has all the shooting skills, has all the driving skills, oh. has has everything. He's a complete player. and uh, This guy is a once-in-a-talent generation, and you're going to hear his name a hell of a lot more, Victor Wembanyama. What, 50 minutes and half forward for the Red Legs on Sunday as well? <laughs> we might need it as yeah. well, mate. All right, um, just to uh, finish off, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, mate. Uh, any good good moments from this week? Uh, look, I, I think you can almost encompass the Crows-Collingwood game in all aspects there, that um, it was a great game. Yep. The umpiring was terrible. Yep. Rory Sloan with a rule, yep. terrible as well. Yep. Ugly. I'm sorry. I actually will have a go at the Crows on that one. I reckon it's just a bit dumb, Tate, the ripping off of Cox's glasses. <laughs> yes, I, I knew this was yeah, going to come just, up at some stage. Yeah, I just thought it was a bit dumb. Yeah, I, dumb. I, I don't know whether Keys was specifically going for them. I thought... You know, I've Mason watched Cooks it a couple is, of times now. I reckon he was. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. I haven't watched it in slow motion. I probably haven't watched it as much yeah. as uh, Mason Cooks. Is, Mason Cox is you know six foot eight or whatever it is. It looked like he was trying to jump and grab the back of the Guernsey a little bit and yeah. ended up getting him. But yeah, maybe what's what's the other 
funny. But what's happened to the fines for um, melee Melees. and that? Yeah. yeah. Well, there were a there couple go- this weekend, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, but I'm sitting there going, well, there's got to be five or so each from that one. So, yeah, I, I couldn't work that out either. Drop the ball on that one, the AFL. Yeah, I think so. Uh, my good probably this week was, like you said, uh, the, the, the Crows and, and Collingwood and, and the Crows coming back. Uh, my bad was probably the um, the umpiring and officiating uh, throughout the weekend. And again, don't like to to give the umpires a little bit of a clip, but there are a couple of times where I think they missed it, missed it quite badly. Um, and the ugly, uh, I'd have to say, I can't disagree with you that the ugly on this occasion was probably the the Mason Cox. But I think the ugly from um, a cricketing point of view was probably the dismissal of Usman Kawaja. Yeah, again, just quite bizarre by Robinson. I'm sorry. The yep. guy's made 141. Pull your head in. Yep. Anyway, we'll leave it there for today, yep. mate. Um, huge episode once again. We thank uh, Craig Martin for his time uh, and breaking exclusive news for us here on the podcast, which is a, a new one for us. Yeah. We've uh, we've had our own exclusives, but uh, to have a guest come on and give us one as well uh, was fantastic. Greatly appreciate it. All right, mate. We'll thank you and promise to do better as always. We will have a crack. All right. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.